estará abierto viernes. Here's how it's done. I mix a little bit of this. with a little bit of that. Drop in something different. And add some spice. Then I shake it up in the shimmy shimmy shaker and let it brew real nice. That's what makes Sachet's Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Bop a flavorful mixed blend of roots, blues, folk, bluegrass, country, zydeco, jump blues, and good old rock and roll. Shake your booty every Thursday night from 8 to 9, following Our Wolf's Face the Music with me, Sachet Delmonico. Here and there. Uh, it's interesting how there are these connections, by the way, to religion and the spread of viruses. This, by the way, was part of the uh, bubonic plague in the Middle Ages and what accounted for how some of those uh, situations spread. And uh, Better get to church and pray. Well, right, and of course... Back then, they thought that uh, the virus was a sign of sin and all that. Uh, So maybe the pagans actually uh, survived the plague better than the Christians. Well, which makes the uh, decision to put Mike Pence in front of the the task force uh, sort of a strange choice because, of course, his proclivity to uh, be almost... You know, Christian scientist in his reductionism that, well, prayer uh, is medicine and, well, you know, prayer has been scientifically proven to be uh, a sort of nobody can prove whether or not prayers are answered. God doesn't specifically give a receipt uh, for prayers received. Uh, praying is not itself an unhealthy activity. Psychologically, it has many advantages, has been proven in studies. But uh you know, uh, science is also part of God's plan for the universe, and Mike Pence's uh, nervousness around science um, is kind of amusing. Amusing and alarming, and of course, this is a uh, science-oriented uh, 
Politico situation. Uh, He can't be happy to have been designated point man on this because how is this going to end well for him? No, it's not. And, of course, that's typical uh, Trump uh, dump dump the, the dope onto somebody else and then say, I did nothing wrong. Uh, that'll be his defense. Uh, in fact, I think that might be the epitaph that ends up on his grave. I did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the the press conference he had last Wednesday was a total, I don't even know what to call it. It was, it was an, a man that was in total denial about reality, really. I mean, to kind of attribute the the uh, COVID-19 to the desire of the Democrats to make make me look bad is utterly absurd. Then to attribute the stock market decline to the debates, utterly crazy. Uh, stock, stock market had collapsed uh, two days before, well, two straight days even before right. they had the debates. Indeed. And, you know, let, just on that really quickly, the stock market plunge is likely maybe even just the front end of, I mean, this is perhaps just the disrupted supply chains yeah. beginning to kick in. Should this, you know, uh, turn into an extended or a prolonged uh, period of uncertainty, you'll see even more corrections and declines. And this is the only strong thing he's got. Has well, been the stock, not the economy itself. No, because exactly. Because, of course, that's hit and miss with regards to people's ability to pay for their basic needs uh, and to support their children. But uh, he seems to consider the stock market itself to be his glowing uh, accomplishment. This is not working out well. Well, there's been a rally for uh, well over a decade. Uh, the S&P hit a low uh, back in 2009, about uh, eight weeks after Obama was inaugurated. He, of course, was not responsible for the financial crisis. But I think what last last week reminds us of in 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 politics is that things can change very quickly for lots of reasons that are beyond your control. I of course do not attribute the uh COVID-19 virus to Donald Trump. That would be absurd. Uh human uh, humans acquiring animal viruses uh because of slaughtering animals and that sort of thing has has happened off and on now uh for many uh decades. Uh, who can forget, for instance, mad cow's disease uh, back in the 90s. And even the H1N1 uh, virus originated in the United States. Uh, Pork uh, production spread to Mexico and then it spread on. Obviously, South Korea seems to have a situation involving a sort of cultish church. Uh, I'm not too sure how they pray. (laughs) But it must be close quarters. And even Iran, you know, people forget that Iran has got many, many shrines uh, and pilgrims that that come uh, to various cities in Iran. I even understand that some top Shia holy sites are in Iran, all over. And and I understand that one of the Iranian governmental officials actually died uh, from COVID nineteen last night. They, I think, have so that's another little kind of were... cluster. Uh, discouraging public gatherings for prayer. Yeah, and and different countries are going to have to take different measures for different reasons. Uh, I also think that there is a little bit of an element of hysteria that's connected to the unknown. Uh, we 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 know what co- 
coronaviruses are. There have been others in the past, like MERS and SARS. Uh, this one seems to be a little more widespread. Well, I think you know, when you add to that the uncertainty about what the conditions and likely scenarios of this new virus are, the degree of incompetency of this presidential administration renders that otherwise, you know, scientifically based anxiety. Uh, I think that's part of where the magnification is coming from, too, is people just don't have confidence in this uh, White House to organize a team of, of genuine experts. Well, and yeah, what's troubling is, is that Donald Trump seems to think this is about messaging. Uh, about propaganda, um, Anthony Fauci has been talk. Fauci has been talking uh, for weeks now about this virus. And yes, China was a little slow letting some of the outside world in to examine things, but uh, that eventually came around thanks to the WTO, uh, the WHO. And by the way, the WHO. You know how many people they have working on this problem globally? Five. <laughs> So the infrastructure, the health infrastructure, a lot of the related questions are really uh, serious stuff. You wonder, for instance, why on earth the United States evacuated uh, people that were on a boat, uh, a cruise ship in Japan, uh, two days before they would have been able to get off the boat without being flown back to the United States. Uh, and there's questions about how that was handled uh, in terms of uh, sanitation uh, procedures at some of the airports and some of the military bases. The other susceptibility, by the way, to the, the, for the United States is the fact that we have military bases all over the globe. Um, you know, 130 countries. And uh, global travel is not easy to shut down by any stretch of the imagination. Though I think it has already begun to slow down. Slow way down. And for instance... That'll have an economic impact as well. Yeah. And for instance, when you see that China's car sales went down 90%, we're not talking, you know, a little blip in the sales. We're talking 90% in the last month. China, of course, had a Lunar New Year already mm. planned which I think caused Wall Street in an in a, in a odd sort of way to fall asleep about the seriousness of the problem. Um, but we need to realize, by the way, that uh, since the COVID vi virus uh, emerged um, in late 2019, uh, there were early reports, by the way, in January of a, quote, mysterious respiratory disease. I, I read that in the New York Times mm -hmm. back in early January. Um, you know, one of the more memorable photographs of uh, the year so far is a picture of Wuhan, China, the 11 million uh, person city in the heart of the Hubei province where this virus originated. And the shot of all the steam shovels in this big area building a hospital immediately on the fly to, to quarantine people. This is actually, ironically, when an authoritarian government sometimes works better, because uh, the, the photograph is remarkable. There must be 50 steam shovels there. <laughs> I have no idea how big that area is, but uh, it's got to be massive, yeah. the size of several football fields. And our healthcare infrastructure has been 
you know, called into question, I think, with this uh, crisis. And to say that we're going to, you know, basically filter everything through Mike Pence and his proclamations, his edicts. Well, I think there's only four testing centers nationwide. You know, it's it's kind of strange. I mean, let the healthcare people uh, and professionals that work at NIH and the CDC and Anthony Fauci, let them do their jobs. Let them talk to the public. They're informed. They know what they're talking about. Well, Pence gave a, a press conference this afternoon that was with the exception of when Dr. Fauci was speaking, uh, pretty much essentially useless information. Mm -hmm. uh, although, naturally, since Pence is involved, it included plenty of high praise and plaudits for, oh, I'm so happy to be working with you on this particular thing. I've known her for a long time. It's like, that's irrelevant. I would assume that professionals with some degree of overlap in, you know, interest would have a familiarity with each other. Sure. Why does that need to be included in this press conference? So you can be sure that that's uh, for the Trumpster himself, who likes to be told over and over again, with his hand being stroked, uh, how wonderful everybody is and how much they love him. Well, and that's part of the, the, the uh, ego problem that we have here. I think he's jealous of COVID-19. He's been... <laughs> Uh, sort of taken off the uh, the front page to some degree, and his performance uh, since. I mean, for Rush Limbaugh to opine the way he does, it's very troubling. Mike Pence, of course, had to be excavated from the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in London, England, to start performing his job. I'm sure they had to put in some some batteries uh, to get him moving. He's kind. Of, he reminds me sometimes of the, the Tin Man, and the Wizard of Oz. You know, you got to squeak. Got to squeak a little oil on that man. Uh, you know, and and let me announce some really really good news that I heard last week. I heard that wind energy, in the United States, has surpassed hydroelectric in, in terms of total power provided to our society. And Donald Trump doesn't have one thing to do with this boom in the wind turbine well, and that's industry and that sort of thing. remarkable considering yeah. what, relatively speaking, a small footprint it has of the energy capacity output currently using, in use. Sure. I mean, there's plenty of room for, for a lot more uh, development of wind power. Indeed. And that is shown, by the way, that uh, both wind and solar have now... Uh, become more economical than these fossil fuel industries. You know, we're having this sort of simplistic discussion of socialism uh, th that, of course, Trump wants to keep fanning the flames about uh, due to Bernie Sanders. Uh, but what about the socialism for the fossil fuel industry? Yeah. What about the socialism for our big agriculture? Um, when you see a trade deal that goes nowhere, for instance, with India, it's fascinating that Trump was complaining about Modi's insistence on tariffs. Well, wait a minute. I thought he loved tariffs. So when the shoe's on the other foot, or to paraphrase uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, the great Atticus Finch, when he talks to Scout on the porch about uh, putting your self in somebody else's shoes to kind of ex explain in a 
simplistic way to a young child why he's doing what he's doing and why it's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, the, politiza- the politicization of this uh, response, um, you know, look, the, the hearings that they're having in Congress are basically about accountability and information. And when Donald Trump takes a hearing in which John Kennedy, Republican senator from Louisiana, tells uh, Mr. Azar, you're the secretary, you're the secretary of human and health and human services. What? You can't tell me, you know, how many respirators we have. You know, that's not partisan politics. First of all, he's a Republican. He's a conservative Republican. And. He he's just demanding accountability. He's just asking legitimate questions about what is going on here with our response uh, as as a government and as a society, and taking common sense approaches to protecting oneself. Yeah, you you, you got to do it. I mean, like I've pointed out uh, for a couple of weeks here, you know, seventy one thousand people died of the flu in twenty eighteen. And the fact that Donald Trump cut these uh, science uh, budgets is beyond dispute. Luckily, Congress ignored those budget requests for the most part and and kept these uh, budget uh, levels at the correct level. And panic and, you know, keeping things under control, I think, is really uh, critical at this point for the federal government. And I'm not too sure that Mike Pence uh, is up for the job, but uh, we'll see, as uh, Donald Trump likes to say. Uh, Yeah, well, let's briefly talk about the upcoming Super Tuesday. Yeah. uh, Interesting developments, obviously, in the last couple of days. Well, even just this afternoon, uh, Amy Klobuchar announced that she was not only... uh, calling uh, quits for her own campaign, but is flying to Texas tonight to endorse Joe Biden on stage. I think maybe we're now entering the phase where uh, the viability of different combinations of potential ticket configurations are uh, in play, uh, aligning behind Biden as a moderate alternative to Bernie, who, let's be blunt, it's a kind of a sensitive subject. Very uh, heavy uh, Bernie support in the Ann Arbor community, but uh, that whole Cuba thing is a little weird. Well, a little tone deaf at the moment. Tone deaf. And, you know, uh, right up front, I'll say that what Bernie said about Cuba wasn't wrong, that uh, Cuba's history has been misrepresented, that it's worth saying out loud that, you know, when Fidel Castro first you know, rose up as the leader uh, to overthrow the uh, dictator Batista. Before he turned to the Russians, he did appeal to the United States for assistance. But Batista enjoyed support among various communities in the business and crime sector. And uh, so Castro did not get the assistance from the U.S. that he requested. That's how he ends up in the sphere of Soviet influence, uh, I think, by and large. But this is not the time of year to be giving a lesson in Cuban history to the uh, 
moderate voters of America whose support will be necessary to evict Donald Trump from the White House. So why Bernie opened that can of worms, I don't understand. Well, he blew that one. Um, there are obviously some subjects that you want to uh, kind of not comment about in, in, a, in a political uh, debate, particularly when you're already being accused almost on a daily basis of being a socialist or a democratic socialist or whatever. Trump's even been calling him a communist. Uh, I think it's a lot, uh, way overblown. I'd also like to point oh, out that, that Cuba has a li uh, higher life expectancy than the United States. So Cuba has d is, done quite a lot with their uh, um, with the sanctions and and the the limited uh, resources they have with their healthcare system. Right. I will, you know, throw some criticism towards uh, Florida politicians who you know are eager to retain the support of. Uh, Although, why you would call anybody an anti-Castro Cuban anymore, since Castro's been dead now for some years, is kind of absurd. But that is a sort of a power base block in Florida politics uh, that the U.S. embargo had as much to do with keeping food out of the mouths of... Uh, Cuban citizens, uh, as Castro did, quite frankly. Yeah, and uh, it's a, it's another example, by the way, of the United States' uh, go-it-alone approach because the rest of the world yeah. has had no problems with uh, doing, uh, uh, you know, diplomatic, having dipl diplomatic relations with Cuba. Uh, you can fly to Cuba uh, from North America, just get in a car and drive to Toronto. <laughs> the Canadians don't have any problems. Um, because it is, it's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of baloney. And let's also remember that Cuba suffered some AIDS uh, cases in the 1980s because they had a lot of medical doctors in the continent of Africa mm -hmm. who were doing um, uh, charity work, basically. To to and of course they were definitely in Angola. Um, uh, another defeat of uh, Ronald Reagan during the Cold War. One of the more bizarre uh, episodes in the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, Maoist. We're supporting a former Maoist uh, uh, guy that was allied with South Africa. But anyway, on the uh, election tomorrow, I think it's quite clear this is that Warren is going to be in the race for a while. Uh, she may uh, hurt Bernie Sanders. I, some of Buttigieg's votes are going to go to her. Mm. Uh, the demographics show that uh, uh, they have been competing for so-called white, uh, educated, well-educated, college-educated uh, suburban women. For instance, she's got a little niche in the uh, in, in 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 this in these contests. And as the saying goes, this is why we play the games. Um, we need to think not about quote Super Tuesday. We need to think a little more clearly about what's really going on tomorrow. There's a little mini New England uh, primary, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Maine. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders will do well up there, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, we'll get some delegates from Massachusetts. I thought it was odd that Bernie Sanders was in Massachusetts on Friday night. Uh, one would think that the other states are far more important for him. But Michael Bloomberg is another unknown factor. Right. Uh, he has not been on the ballot. He is polling even with Biden and Sanders in a number of states. And what we really have is a southern primary here. Mm -hmm. This is why Buttigieg dropped out of the race. Uh, he was not going to get delegates tomorrow. Uh, Klobuchar, 
I don't know why she was still even in the race. And Tom she, Steyer, yeah, whatever. I think Klobuchar <laughs> did better in a couple in the last two debates. Yeah, she sort of got some attention, a little infusion of cash. Um, and I think she got an assist from Joe Biden in, in New Hampshire when he announced he was leaving New Hampshire early. I thought that was a classic Joe Biden bungle. Um, he's clumsy sometimes. He, I, I, there's no advantage to flying to South Carolina three hours early. That news spreads like wildfire. And I think Klobuchar was the beneficiary of that uh, maneuver. Joe Biden wasn't going to win New Hampshire. I understand that. I mean, he pulled fourth in Iowa the whole year. He ne was never going to win Iowa. <laughs> that was a that was a pipe dream, and that's actually one of the areas where Pete Buttigieg did a fantastic job. He did well in the retail politics of Iowa and New Hampshire. He had the time, the patience, the ability to go to these uh, rural counties that Trump carried. And he had a little bit of an advantage in that some of the Democratic senators were in Washington dealing with the impeachment. But, you know, Texas, North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, these are these are bigger states uh, than Nevada, uh, South Carolina and uh, New Hampshire. And, and I think that these first four states have always been distorted in terms of the electorate. I mean, we're told from exit polls that 55 percent of the Democratic uh, voters in the primary uh, were African-American. That's why you have to win that vote. And Joe Biden killed Bernie Sanders in that area. Uh, Bernie's obviously going to score well in California, but Elizabeth Warren could be a kind of a dark horse in California. She's polling second. Once again, Buttigieg was well behind in California, and that's kind of curious. Uh, why he wasn't out there a little more often. Um, so I think Bloomberg is a little bit of an unknown. Uh, is it going to materialize tomorrow for him? Uh, he's selling a story. Uh, obviously, there's way too much money involved in his campaign. But he did get into the campaign late. And he's selling the story, I'm a manager. I'm not a kind person. Don't come to me for hugs and kisses. If you want a friend in Washington, as Harry Truman said, get a dog. <laughs> so it's very ironic that Joe Biden, as somebody Riley pointed out, is now the youngest man in the race. <laughs> That's pretty frightening. And as for Elizabeth Warren, what is her avenue? What is her angle? Well, she may block some of Bernie Sanders's votes and keep Bernie Sanders's margins of victory very low. Uh, what Bernie Sanders, by the way, has to be concerned about is that his vote totals in all four states went down from 2016. And in some of these states, they went down significantly. And this idea that he's mobilizing some massive youth movement. Uh, George McGovern uh, realized in 1972 that you can't count on the youth movement. One out of five people vote. And in South Carolina, they were only one. I think I, I heard 11 percent of the electorate. So, well, it's it's a little dispiriting to hear, you know, even some friends who are Bernie supporters saying things like even before South Carolina, that the fix is in. 
They're, you know, the Democratic establishment is 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 against him, even though he was at that moment the, yeah. and still is, I think, by a few uh, delegates, the delegate leader. Um, this idea that it's some grand conspiracy against Bernie, I think, is a harbinger of the, some of the vibe of 2016, too. As you say, uh, that's why you play the games. That's why states have the primaries. That's why you wait to see what determination voters make in the primary process. Even if you end up in a situation where there is no clear leader and you have three, let's say, uh, Biden, uh, Sanders, and Warren, uh, the conventions are for working this out, resolving, forging a ticket, uh, you know, finalizing a platform. And that's where, you know, deals and coalescences and alliances are made. Indeed. And, and let's remember when you're talking uh, politics, you always have to think uh, geography as well. It's fascinating to think that if you are in Utah and you travel in a, let's say, a covered wagon east to Virginia, you'll touch every single state that's in the Super Tuesday. You know, Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, North Carolina, Alabama which is comes off of that little wagon train that I've just mentioned. These are states where Bloomberg may get uh, uh, enough delegates to be competitive. We'll see. Um, Joe Biden is, is not, uh, I mean, he's, one of the more amazing things is he was in fifth place with the money. <laughs> just right. announced Sunday. I mean, he, he was behind Buttigieg in terms of raising money. So... Who knows what's going to happen? He's he's got a lot of work to do. It ain't over till it's over. So we will see. I think we'll know Wednesday. Uh, but I I can see a uh, a situation where Warren is in fourth place, but she won enough delegates to stay in the race. Uh, you kind of thought Klobuchar would just stay in for, for Minnesota. That's another right. outlier. And by golly, don't worry about the American Samoa. <laughs> There's six delegates at stake, by God. <laughs> uh, they're an outlier, big time. Nate Silver now has a two in three chance of no majority at the convention. <laughs> Get the popcorn ready. Well, there you heard from our reliable engineer, the magnificent Tex. And I'd like to just point out that uh, the Down Home Show and uh, the Bluegrass Show, I guess, were... One and two in uh, pledges received this year during the fundraiser, and he's a big reason. He is a great uh, contributor to this fine station of WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Uh, we have an affinity for Dolly Parton. <laughs> I gave him a, a long newspaper article a, uh, a week ago that uh, I'm sure he appreciated. Jerry Mack is up next here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And go wind power. Thursday nights at 7, you might need to face the music with Washtenaw County's longest-running all-purpose specialty show. Face the music, utilizing cultural residue as a cipher in order to unlock, subvert, and redefine the mysteries of the human genome. 
Face the Music, Thursday nights at 7 on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's community-connected, student-run, experimental experience.